your blessing upon this word. We ask it to be sharp, dividing even to the very marrow of our bones, of our spirit. We thank you for the confidence that builds and the understanding we receive with the word of God and the fresh revelation that you pour out upon us. So, Father, we come today to press in. Press in for truth. Press in for an on-time word. Press in, Lord, to move. Press in, Father, to take that which you've asked us to move and take. So we come, Father, seeking. We come with a confidence. We come, Lord, as conquerors. We don't come to beg. We do ask. In Jesus' name, amen. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Welcome again to Touch Heaven here at the church, those who are with us. And I've got to sort of look through the, look through the eagle to those of you who are online. And uh, we thank you that you're tuned in to us wherever you are. And you're in many different places in different time zones. And some of you tune in different times and places. We had somebody get a hold of us yesterday who listened to something two weeks ago, which was mostly the move of the Lord, and uh, she told us that in listening to that, she had a miracle and had some bones that were healed. So you see, it's like the bones of Elijah, right? They were thrown into a pit, and uh, when the conquering army was coming, the Israelites didn't have time to bury their dead, so they threw him into the pit on top of those bones, and that fellow came alive. There's anointing. There's anointing residue that lasts and moves forward when the anointing of the Lord is released. So it's not just a moment. It's not just an experience. It's real. It's life. It's like as blood unto the body. So is the spirit and the anointing of the Lord unto your spirit. Amen. So sometimes you need a transfusion. Sometimes your spirit needs a transfusion, and that's what these kind of words and messages are, but it's what you take with you, and then it's what you do after that. How many of you know that you could, you know, receive eight pints of blood because you had a terrible wound, and you cut your vein open and spill it out, and it's like you never got it? That's not who we want to be. We want to hold on to the residue of the anointing of God and carry it forth with us, because these kind of things are fresh. And they're intended for you at a time such as this. So let's go forward and you'll find out, Lord willing, why these elements are up here with me. These things are here with me. I want to put up a scripture in James chapter 4, starting in verse 2. And our theme is about ask. Ask activates answer. You can't get an answer unless you ask. Sometimes people get an answer without asking, and it's not a very good answer. Sometimes people think that everything they hear is the, the wisdom and the will of God in their head, not realizing that their head isn't an ask. Our spirits ask, and we come into agreement. By asking, we are in agreement we're in agreement with our spirit, and we're in agreement with the word of God, and we're in agreement with the path of God by asking, right? I'm going to move this just a little bit because I can't see Quentin, and I have to keep my eye on him because he's liable to get a little radical over there. I've got him now. Okay. Kimmy, it's better to see you smiling than Quentin over there, but God bless him. So, Ask activates answer, but we just have to get our ask right. That's our summary. That's our theme. We have to have the right ask. How many of you know that you know, there's, a, there's a process that's in stocks and it's in selling? Those of you who represent something, you're in the marketplace selling something, put your hand up, please. Put your hand I, oh, I barely see. Okay, put your hand up. You understand an ask and a bid right? You ask a price, but somebody gives you a bid. And it's not always the price that you ask. The ask establishes what you expect, and the bid is what you can get. Sometimes we hold out for the ask, don't we? 
But you see, the Lord isn't that kind of a merchant. He doesn't tell us to ask expecting something less. He's not trading. The Lord isn't a trader. He isn't a marketeer. The Lord can't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And his word of God tells us in James chapter 4 and 3, you ask and you don't receive. How many of you are going to be honest right now and say, you've been asking, but you're not receiving? Hmm? There you go. Well, guess what? After today, you're going to receive. Yeah. Yeah. You ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss. What does amiss mean? You're not asking the right way. You got to get it right. And you ask so that you may spend it on your own pleasures and some other interpretations as that means. You're asking only for yourself. And we'll deal with that a little bit more in depth. Next, next verse, please. And then he really gets tough. And he says, some of you are adulterers and adulteresses. That doesn't mean just sexually. That means in how we walk in the Spirit. You see, we can come to church on Sunday, but not walk like we're in church Monday through Saturday. And we can do things in the dark of the night that we think nobody knows or sees, but the Lord sees it all. And to him, that's adultery. To him, it's chasing a different God. It's saying that you're married to the Lord and that you want eternal life with Jesus Christ. And Paul gets a little tougher on it. He says, don't frustrate the grace of God as if you're going to cause Jesus to be crucified again. So when we receive Christ, when we say, come into my heart, and then we act a sinful life, we're an adulterer in the eyes of the Lord or an adulteress. He said, you do not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? You may as well use the word enemy, but enmity means it separates you from God. So that when we have friendship with the world, what does that mean? Well, let's, let's, let's get where the rubber hits the road. We're more concerned about pleasing people in the world than we are about pleasing God. We're more concerned about how do we fellowship with the world and fit in than we do about the Lord. So it's a, like a Peter thing. Remember Peter in the Bible? Lord, Lord, I will never forsake you. I'll take one for you, Lord. I got your back. I'll be your shield. If they go to come after you, there I will be. I'm going to be with you, Lord, no matter what. And just a few days later, he's trying to be friendly with the world system as Jesus is being persecuted and set up for his crucifixion. And what's it doing? He's hiding in the shadows with the world, with the enmity of God. And he even curses with them. Oh, that really makes one acceptable if they can curse along with those who are cursing, doesn't it? And it's so easy to slip into that because it's, after all, I'm not in the church setting. After all, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm amongst tough men, tough women. After all, I'm in the military. That's what we do. After all, I'm a laborer and we get down and get dirty. I put in septic systems. Yeah, been there, done that, do that. Somebody else here does it too. You get pretty dirty, you get pretty poopy, pretty stinky. You're amongst difficult things, different places. We begin to compromise who we are and what we are because we have the church thing going at certain times and then we don't other times, but it's enmity with God and because we ask remiss we don't receive. We expect to receive because we say, but I believe in Jesus and I have faith. Well, guess what? Devils believe in Jesus too. And they don't get what they want unless they steal it and take it from you because you open a door to let them have it. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Oh my, 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 my. A friend of the world, but I'm a believer, Lord. Yeah, but you're a goat. The Lord has sheeps and goats. The goats, he says, in the eternal throne room, get off to the side, the left, be gone. I don't know you. And to the sheep, he says, come right. But Lord, I knew you. I healed people in your name. I went to church. I tithed. I don't know you, adulterer, adulteress. You're an enemy with me. That's pretty harsh stuff. 
We don't want to be those people. We don't want to be those people for our own salvation. Beloved, I'm not one of those who preaches once saved, always saved. That's from the pit of hell. That tells you that you can just dose out grace to yourself however you want and keep doing the same old thing, the same old way, sinning and never changing. That's not repentance. Repentance isn't just saying, I believe in you, Jesus, take away my sins. Repentance is changing your life, turning around, doing what Paul did, a 180. Some people do a 180 and they go the other direction. Some people do a 360 and they're right back where they started. I'm dizzy. Hey. So the Lord's speaking to us. Whoever therefore, do you think, you got it, go ahead, Ralph, you had it. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain that the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? If we can just internalize that and realize that the living spirit of God, the fullness of the Godhead is living inside of you, You've become one with the Lord, and that God is a jealous God, right? How many of you, at some point in your life, learned the Ten Commandments? Huh? Let there be no other God. He's a jealous God, right? Well, he's living inside of you. He's jealous. He doesn't want the things that come out of our mouth or the things we do with our body or the people that we hang out with to be something that is going to make us an enemy with him. He's a jealous God. And guess what? He's God. He chooses who comes in his presence and how we do, and he's a holy God. Now, I've got good news for you. Nobody can be holy enough themselves. You have to be washed in the blood of Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Lord, forgive me. And you become the righteousness of God because of his grace and who he is, and because he became your sin. But you can't mix your righteousness with sin and make it a practice because then your righteousness is no longer right. You have to ask to receive, but you have to get it right when you ask. Amen? We're going to deep further. I see some heads turning like little poodles over there, like this. There is a thing about asking that begins to intensify the relationship we have with God so that our ask could move into the realm and the revelation of a declare. Now you've learned in this house and in this ministry, in this church, that declaring is the ultimate level of relationship with God because your declare is walking in the spirit. I declare, Lord, thus saith God, I shall not be poor. God doesn't want you to be poor. And I'm sorry that some people take a vow of poverty. It's not of God. God never wanted anybody to take a vow of poverty. You don't have to get poor to love God. You don't have to be poor to show somebody that you're more aligned to God than somebody else is. Now, I'm not knocking any religions or faiths. Been there and done all that myself, right? When I first found the Lord, I mean, you know, declared Jesus Christ my Lord that week, and Karen knows that. I took everything I owned, and I took it to the Salvation Army. I gave away two Mercedes cars. I gave away all my clothes. All I had was a pair of boots and an Army jacket and a pair of jeans. I gave away all the things out of my house. I gave it because I thought I was going to impress God. I thought that he wanted me to start all over poor, and that maybe I bought some of that stuff with the wrong things and earned the money the wrong way, so I just gave it all away. I even gave away my 88 keyboard Rhodes piano, which someone here will start shaking. I gave it all away. That was stupid. That was ignorance. God smiled at me because he knew my heart. But he said, oh, man, son, do you have a lot to learn? Do you have a lot to learn? So we don't do things to impress God. We walk in a kingdom revelation with God because that's what we want to do to please him, but we also understand it's somewhat self-serving, but not self-serving to the point that I want those pleasures for myself. It's self-serving so that I walk in the kingdom of God. Many of you have heard me and people that know me in ministries all over the place, television ministries, they know that if they talk to me about kingdom, they have my attention. If they talk to me about their own agenda, I politely get lost. My, what others would claim is ADD kicks in and I'm somewhere else. I could be sitting there in a meeting with them for an hour and didn't take a thing out of it. 
except waiting to get out of it. But if it's kingdom, I'm sharp as a tack. And I'm very interested in it because I made a commitment and understood when I got the revelation of kingdom, I understood that as long as I seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's going to supply everything. Not only that I need, but that he wants me to have for the vision. You see, when you make the kingdom your focus, then he gives you the provision for that vision. So whatever you're putting your hands to, don't, don't measure it by how effective or ineffective you think you are in the world. You know, there's a curse that comes with social media, and there's a blessing with it. A blessing is people get out to a lot of people. But the curse is, is that people measure themselves by how many likes they get, how many, how many people are following them, and they say you're your friends or they're for you, until you change your spots a little, then they disappear. I know people that had 100,000, 200,000 followers got saved, and they ended up with 9 or 10. Praise the Lord. That's a blessing of God. Because those other followers, that was just being, being enmity with the world. But you see, you can do more. You can do more focused on the kingdom of God to change somebody and something than you can with the followers of the world. God forbid you, you or I were one of the name brand singers, you know, that have millions and millions of people. And they attribute it all to things that aren't of God. So not only are they being glorified in themselves and their flesh, but they're taking a whole bunch of other people with them. Whole generations with them. Which one of us wants to lead one person into hell? Huh? Into hell? You know? Brother, get up here. We're going to get that demon out of you right now, man. Which one of you wants to never lead a person into hell? Which one of you would rather lead one person into heaven than a person into hell? Which one of you says, I'll give up everything that I have for a soul? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Which one of you says, I'll live my life for a soul and I'll give my life for a soul? That's a tough one. You don't know unless you've been put in that place of what you'll do at the time that you're supposed to do it. That's why we prepare ourselves. So, we want to ask, and we want to ask the right way. Now, I gave you a very quick little example a week or two ago, and, and that example was of a little child. And it was time for that child to go to bed. And so the mother said to, to, to the little girl, We'll call her uh, CC or AJ or something like that. The mother said to that little girl, it's time to brush your teeth. And the little girl, just learning to speak and talk, learned that one word. Why? Why? Well, that's what we do when we go to bed. Why? Well, because so your teeth will be healthy and you'll have the right habit. Why? Well, because if you learn that now, it'll be good when you're older and you want fresh mouth and fresh teeth. Why? Well, it's because it's what we do. Why? And then finally the lights go out. Go to sleep! Many times we ask, and we don't wait for the why. Many times we ask our Father in heaven and the purpose of asking is what? To determine and learn what, where, how, and when. Right? It's basic. That's why you ask. Why? What? What is it? What is it, Lord? Where? Where is it? How? How's it happening? What's supposed to be? What is it supposed to be? What is it not? And when? Oh, we love the when. Many times the Lord's quiet on the when because he wants us to get the how, the what, and the where right before the when. You see, God, in his eternity, 
Everything's already occurred. It's already happened. It's how it manifests to us when we ask. So there's a suddenly, there's a time when something suddenly happens, but it's already been nurturing and mentoring and created by the Lord, he says, before the foundations of the world. So the answer is already there. It's not God that is holding back or not doing the right thing. It has to be what? Me. Moi. I've got to get it right. I've got to make sure, as some would say, that all the points of light meet and merge at a certain point of time, right? The light of my spirit, the light of my faith, the light of the Lord, the light, Lord Jesus, the light of eternity. There's a moment when it suddenly happens. And when that suddenly happens, our ask all of a sudden becomes a reality, a miracle, a blessing, a sign, a wonder. Something that really, really was not only a need, but a gift from God. How many of you know that when you're really walking in that place of ask, when you're walking in that place of your ask being right, that you receive blessings before you ask for them? Huh? Anybody here? I had a couple this week. I had a couple this week. I went into some situations. I was getting ready to ask the Lord to show me the way and the path, and it was already done. He made me look so smart, and they didn't understand. I was dumb as a block. I didn't have a clue what was going on. I just happened to be in the place of ask. I happened to be in that spirit of asking. I happened to be walking in a a kingdom heart desire. I happened to be measuring integrity against that which didn't have integrity. I happened to make a stand for integrity and honesty. How many of you know when you make a stand for integrity and honesty, it's usually on a scale? It always has a cost. Integrity and honesty has a cost, right? I remember a long time ago when I got my second or third check. I didn't have checks before that. I was working at a grocery store, and they gave me a check. I don't know how much money it was. I think maybe I'd worked for a whole month and hadn't gotten a dime, so... It was probably like $500 or something. Never saw a check that big in my life. I was 15 years old. I'd had some cash. People would pay me, but I never had a check that light. So I I went and opened a bank account, and, and, uh, and, and I'd opened that up two weeks before then, anticipating getting a check. And I was going through to get my, my money, and I handed it, and I got an envelope back, and I didn't even count it. I just, oh. And I went out, and I went home, and I opened my envelope, and it had $100 more in it than I was supposed to get. I wasn't walking in the Lord, right? I figured, oh, the bank's got all the money in the world. They must have given it to me. never dawned on me that some poor teller somewhere was going to have to account for that. No, I didn't bring the money back. I kept the money. But you know what? When I found the Lord, it was one of the things I repented of. He brought it back to remembrance of me. And you know what I said to the Lord? Lord, never let me miss an opportunity to bless somebody with money. And to this day, I'll chase somebody if the Lord tells me to bless them. It's not making up for what I did wrong. It's a repentance and a change of heart. It's walking in a different place. It's walking with an understanding of the fact that it's all His. You and I, we're just stewards. We're just deposit boxes that the Lord has the key to. Many of you know I buried a few people in the last couple months, people dear to me, and especially my best friend. And in those last moments, it never became more aware than it did did to me. No matter how much we build in ministry, no matter what foundation we make, no matter what legacy we have, no matter what outreach we have, no matter what things we have, in those last moments, they don't matter a moment. All that matters is faith in the Lord. That's all that matters. 
And you know, it's never too old to make an adjustment. I made another adjustment. Things just matter even less to me. People matter more. Things go and come. The Lord gives and the Lord takes. But you know what? I want to be the Lord's hands to give. And I think you do too. And that's the key. That is the fundamental key to asking. It's integrity. It's honesty. And to do as unto the Lord. Now, we've all needed healings in our life. Some of us have needed them at times more desperate than others, right? Like a cold. I'm not going to lie to you. I have a cold. I pray for the Lord to heal my cold. Who wants to be miserable, Mike? It makes no sense, right? Who wants to walk and then, oh, somebody else has cancer. They need it more than me. No, 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 no. How many times have you heard that? How many times have you heard, oh, my problem is nothing compared to so-and-so's problem, so don't pray for me. What? Let me tell you something. Some of us still have some hair up here, and those of us who do, he says he knows every one of them. And he says he cares. That's right, Clinton. He rubbed that bean. He says he even knows the stubby hairs. Yeah, those little ones that are shaved all the way back. He knows every hair on your head. That's his way of telling you he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows exactly what makes you. He knows exactly what you need. And he wants you to go to him as a father. I'm blessed. I'm a father to four beautiful children, three wonderful son-in-laws, one wonderful daughter-in-law, Ten grandchildren that are our flesh and blood, and many, many more that are our grandchildren that we've accepted. I have sons beyond my son that I call son, that call me father, dad. Not a father like the father in heaven, but a dad. Somebody that cares about them. Someone they know will stand in the gap for them. Somebody they know has nothing else but their desire best in life. Your Father in heaven, he's not going to turn you down when you ask him. And I think sometimes we really frustrate our Lord because it's like he's got just what you need, just what you want, but he knows if he gives it to you at that moment, it's not going to bless you. It's going to cause you to understand your relationship with him in the wrong way. Lord, if you heal me, I'm not going to eat meat anymore. Why? Lord, if you heal me, I'm going to make sure when I get up that the first thing I do is say a quick prayer. And the Lord says, wait a minute. This isn't conditional grace. This is grace. I want to bless you because I love you and you're my child. I want you to understand that my grace is sufficient for you. I want you to understand that you don't need to make a deal with me. You need to accept my son because the way to the Father is through the Son. He did all the deal-making for us. Yeah, he said, Father, I'll go, but, Lord, make them one even as we are one, you and me, me and you, and we're gonna bless them, Father. We're gonna live inside of them, and Father, I give you them, give you their names, keep them in your name, in your hands. Keep them, Lord. Jesus made some deals. He said, I'll descend into hell, but, Lord, you're gonna resurrect me out of there. And the power of the glory of the Father and the, and, and the command and declaration of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit resurrected him from hell. He made all the deals. And he took the blood up into heaven. He said, here it is. You've been wanting the blood, Father. Here it is. Pure blood. The deal's been made. So we don't really bless him. In fact, we insult him when we want to make a deal. 
Mm. Better not to vow than to keep a vow you can't make. I had to counsel somebody a few years back that had made a vow because they'd almost been killed in a military strike. And they said, well, the Lord spared me, so they wanted to do something back. And so their vow was they were going to live a certain way for a year. But something began to provoke that person, and they felt like maybe they made a mistake, but they said, how do you stop a vow? I said, because you repent of it, just like you do something else you did stupid and wrong. Lord, I was dumb. I don't need to do anything. Will you release me? Thank you for releasing this because my Lord Jesus Christ did this already. Which one you think pleased the Lord more, the vow or the revelation of his grace? And the Father, I'm sure, took that person in their arms and smiled and said, Welcome to 101 Grace, my beloved one. We don't want to ask remiss. We want to ask with a confidence. We want to ask with an understanding. Let's look. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16 for a moment. I want to talk about the next and the rest. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16. For who having heard rebelled, indeed was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? We understand that. The children of Israel were delivered after 430 years, and it didn't take long for them to squander the blessings. In fact, they couldn't even remember their own identity. They were still identifying with being slaves, being persecuted, having no class, generations being killed, nothing but under the harsh rule of the slave master of the Egyptians, God not answering them for 430 years to be left out, but yet they continued to ask, but they didn't even know how they asked anymore. Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Who was God angry with? Because what happened was, he said, because of your unbelief, because of your lack of gratitude, because of your lack of understanding who I am, and the fact that you just want me to do something to squander yourselves again, who was he angry with for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? We understand that None of them came out. Interestingly enough, while they walked around for 40 years, he still provided. Their shoes didn't wear out. He gave them manna to eat and gave them some quail now and then for a little extra taste of meat. He made sure that there was water in places in the desert for him to sustain him. He gave them a provision, but he didn't give them their deliverance. God's grace will provide for us during the storm, but you may not get your deliverance unless you learn that you're in the storm, but you're not of it. Let it seek. Let it soak. You're in the problem, but you're not of the problem. Well, Lord, I have arthritis. Next conversation. My arthritis won't let me move. Hey! You're in the arthritis, but you're not of it. I have diabetes. No, you, you have a manifestation of a problem, but you're not of it. I have can't. No, no, don't make that your identity. Sometimes we don't receive because we identify with the wrong things. Hmm? That's why we have to be crazy in denial of the things of the world. Pastor, you don't understand it. You're not being practical. Oh, I don't want to be practical. Been there and done that. Didn't work too well for me. But I'll tell you, when I got radical, the tumor in my head went away. The arthritis in my body went away. I got up out of a wheelchair, 99%, never supposed to walk again. 
My heart was put out of sync when they did my knee. They said it was going to be out of sync. My wife came in, prayed at my side. We were newlywed seven days later. I walked out of there. Heart's been good and strong ever since. Was arrested in the Soviet Union, told I wasn't getting out, and 21 days later, I walked out of that place. Because I wasn't practical. Maybe I just was too dumb to know better. Or maybe I just had blind faith that believes. You see, beloved, we got to ask with the right heart. doesn't mean your heart's bad. It means what have we identified with? What have we identified with? If we identify with the fact that we're sick and ill or poor or being persecuted and that's our way of life and I'm just going to accept it, guess what? That's your way of life. God will still provide for you in the midst of all of that. Your shoes won't wear out. You'll still have something to eat. You'll still have food, but you won't get delivered because you're embracing that which you need delivered from. A few of you have been in deliverance with me, right, Ralph? What's the first thing I say? Do you want to be delivered? If that person won't tell me they want to be delivered, I can't do anything. Some of them have a hard time. Well, but, 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 you got to understand. But, 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 I was prayed for before. But, 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 but. You know what butts are. Some get pretty smelly. Huh? You want to be led by the butt? Or you want to be led by the faith? But, 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 pastor, I've had this so long. How about the man? On the way to the temple, sitting there begging from Jesus, from, from Peter and John, begging. It's what he'd done for years. It's the way he made his living. He, if, if he quit begging him, he'd have to go get a job or do something. He didn't know how to work. It was his lifestyle was to be stuck in his problem. Don't let your problem be your lifestyle. Speak to that mountain and say, go in Jesus' name. Don't identify with it. And, and we have to change the way we speak, don't we? My wife and I, we're good guards. We check each other's words. You need that too. You need somebody around you say, don't talk like that. Oh. And, and maybe at first you get a little angry. <laughs> but then you say, you know, you're right. Lord, I take that back in Jesus' name. Void those words. And I usually say, smash them like glass that comes into so many shivers of glass you can't put it back together again. Smash those words even out of my mouth because you have a lot of power here. Do you know that your body listens to your words? Huh? What? It can be proven scientifically and I guarantee it's all over the Bible spiritually. You can move mountains with your words. A faith that doesn't speak is just suffering. You know, I got faith. Mm, 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 mm. My right arm fell off. I got faith. My left arm fell off. I got faith. I lost my ear. You got mummy faith. You're just waiting for everything to stop happening, and you're calling them. No, take authority over it. Ask. My arm ain't going nowhere. <laughs> my leg is still here. My ears, they are good. Frank, the doctor says possibly this could happen. How about the lie they tried to get us to put in writing? Huh? Thank God I don't go to doctors too often because every time I do, I get madder than hell. They give me this sheet to fill out, and they won't do anything until you fill it out. And they want to know if someone in your family had cancer, someone in your family had this, someone in your family had high blood pressure, somebody in your family, hey! I don't fill them out. Because I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, well, you're probably high written. No, I ain't no risk of nothing. I sign it. And sometimes they ask me, sir, you didn't fill this out. And I'm not going to fill it out. Why? Because that's not who I am. What do you mean? I said, listen, every generational curse in my family has been canceled and voided. We're not agreeing to them. We're not proclaiming them. No, but you don't understand it. You know, if your mama had this and her mama had that, you probably have a high. No, 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 no. You don't understand. Those curses are gone in Jesus' name. They have no right to my identity. They are not going on something with my name on it. Ain't happening. Yeah. 
They try to get us to agree to it before we even know what we're doing. And then they want to put it on your children. We're supposed to pass blessings onto our children, not curses. You think I'm going to pass those curses on to my children? That they're going to have a... When, when my grandpa had a heart attack, he was 55 years old. They didn't even know what to do with a heart attack. They told him to drink some more whiskey. He drank Dago Red till he was 83 and had his final heart attack and worked on it. You think I'm going to put that down and my grandpa had a heart attack when he was 55? So, hey, that means I should have one when I was 55? Didn't happen. Ain't going to happen. And neither for you. So the next time you go to the doctor, tell him you want to see your file and bring some white out and eraser with you. Hey! Take that pronoun out of your mouth for the things and problems that you have. It's not yours. Unless you want it to be yours. It's your choice. We can ask remiss. The Lord wants to bless. He wants to bless. The Lord wants us to walk in that place. Let's go to Matthew 7, verse 7. Please. Listen. Forgive me if you think I'm talking down to anybody. I'm not talking down to anybody. I am called to help you raise your faith. And I am called to live at that level. And I'm telling you, I live at that level. I can't preach something I don't walk. You hear what I'm saying to you? I can't preach something I don't walk. I know if I preach it, I better be willing to walk it. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Seek. We understand to ask. Seek. Seek. There's a word in Dutch that warrior dogs are trained to take. It's called souk. I had one. Souk is like seek. When you give that command to souk, I put that dog in a house where there was a house invasion next to ours down in Florida, and they were concerned that the people were still on the, in the neighborhood, and everybody was afraid, and that, that door was wide open. I took that dog, I put him in there, and I said, Sook, and and I could hear him going all through that house. He went all through that house, Sook and Sook and Sook and Sook, and came out and looked at me. <laughs> but then I heard something. I looked at him, I said, Sook! He went back in all the way through, all the way through, came back out. I said, are we good? He goes, we're good. He gave everything he had to please his master. Seek. Please your father. Seek. What did that dog want to do? He's smarter than most of us. He wanted to fulfill his assignment and get back into relationship with his daddy. That's what he wanted. He wanted to hear, attaboy, well done, faithful dog. (laughs) And a little treat didn't hurt either. We're supposed to seek the relationship. It's not just about taking and receiving and giving. It's about seeking a relationship with the Father. How about we make this a Hebrew Bible, right? Find, knock, and it will be open to you. Let's talk about knock, and then we'll put it backwards, the way it's supposed to be, right to left. Knock, and it will be open to you. What are you knocking? You're noggin? Huh? Watch this, Eddie. You knock in your noggin? No. What do you knock? You knock on a door. So get beyond those words. What are you trying to open? You're trying to open a door. A door to what? A door to a different dimension. A door to the eternal dimension. A door to the place where your healing already is. A door to the place where your blessings already are. A door to the place where your finances already are. A door to a place where all your children are redeemed and saved and well. A door to a place where your marriage is healed. A door to a place, hey! You're trying to get to the place of next. 
you got to get to the place of next. Knock. Well, how do you knock? Well, I'm going to tell you what. You come to my house and you're knocking with a, with, with a, a nine millimeter in your hand and you're going to see a different opening door than just say, come on in, my friend. You're going to receive a 12-gauge shotgun <laughs> blasting through the door. What are you knocking on? You're knocking on heaven's door. You're knocking on the throne room of the Lord. You're knocking on that door that Jesus says, I'll open that door, come in and sup with me. You see, some of us, we want God to answer our prayer by, by coming out of his place to us. But he wants us to go into his place to him. Knock. When you knock on a door at your house, do you go out or do you open for someone to come in? You open it for someone to come in. Your child got locked outside. It's cold. It's dark. There's rain pouring in. They're knocking on the door. You go outside into the cold, the dark, the rain. You bring them in. You put them in your arms. Say, where you been? Come here. Let me dry you off. Let me nurture you. Let me bless you. Let me love on you. And by the way, what do you want? Daddy, I'm so happy to be with you. Lord, what I want is I want my mommy not to have to work so hard. Lord smiles. Got it. Watch what the Lord will do. And by the way, Lord, I got this thing growing out of my toe. I mean, I know it's small, but done. Nothing's too hard for me, says the Lord. So let's go backwards. Let's be Hebrew. How many of you have ever read a Hebrew Bible? They go from right to left, not left to right, right? It'll be open to you. What'll be open to you? The throne room. Come boldly into the throne room and ask. How? In his name. Knock. Come to see me. Spend some time with me. Come to my house. Come to my house. Come to my place. Come to where the Father dwells. And you're going to find when you knock. I'm going to open the door. And I'm going to tell you, come in and sup with me. Let's fellowship. You're hungry, I'll feed you. You're thirsty, I'll make sure you're not thirsty anymore. I'll give you a drink. And he who seeks, you'll find. Souk. Be zealous. Be zealous for what you want. Find your way back to me. I'll give you an attaboy or an girl and a treat. For everyone who does this, ho, oh, for everyone, say, I'm everyone. everyone. Everyone who does this, they receive. <laughs> I like that surety. I love that guarantee. You know, there's some cars trying to outdo other cars. They tell you they're going to give you a guarantee for 10 years because they're hoping that you don't live 10 years or you get rid of the car before that. They want to get, and how about a roof guarantee or a warranty, right? You put a new roof on, oh, you got a 20-year warranty. Go to them in year 19 and see what they give you. Oh, it wore out, it was weather, it was this, so we'll give you 10% off on a new roof that we're overcharging 120% for, yeah. Those guarantees and warranties is worthless. Jeff's squirming because he's getting a new roof. That's a guarantee. Ask and you will receive. Let's go to Isaiah 40. I've got a lot, so guess what? Lord willing, we'll pick this back up. And I'm just going to give you a little taste of a few things. 
Let's go to Isaiah 40. But those who wait on the Lord shall receive their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Next verse. If you could go to verse 32, Ralph. Oh, okay, that's only 31. That's right, I'm sorry. It goes to the next one. Story about the eagle. First of all, we understand that this is the majestic bird of the air, right? This is the one. This is the one who can see with an eagle's eye, has the claws to pick up things that are much bigger than its own weight, can swoop down like a jet, can land and stop on a pin, has a wingspan that is ferocious and yet gentle, and in many ways, something that's very, very pleasing to watch, like a ballerina. Eagles soar high, and with these big wings, they put them out, and the, the wind comes up under their wings, and they just catch the wind and glide with it for a long time. They don't get weary, because if they had to do this all the time, they'd have to stop. They know how to get up so high and just be able to see so far and know with a confidence that they can take care of anything they have and no other predator is going to be able to get on them. They're strong. They don't faint. They don't grow weary. And that's why Isaiah used that. Like an eagle. Because even now is in that day when you really see an eagle and you just saw some eagles. That's why. She was wondering, why did I see eagles this week? It's because you and I are so in tune. We're just in tune, Hadley. We just, you know, we're in the spirit. She gets the right songs, the right words, the right stuff. We never even talk about it. Eagles. My dear friend who went home a couple weeks ago, he's a collector of eagles. Many times I'd sit in his house with him. And we'd look up at all the eagles that he had collected throughout his life from all kind of different places. Small ones, big ones, wooden ones, metal ones, bronzed ones, pottery. His house was being emptied this last week and no one took the eagles. So I asked his beloved wife, our dear friend, I said, what, what are you going to do with these? She goes, you should have them. I said, oh, no. This is legacy. This is something that your grandchildren should build upon. This represents the vision this general had. He could see. He knew how to rest. He knew how to soar high above all the troubles beneath him. He knew how to filter out voices that he shouldn't hear. You see, the eagle, as high as it is, it doesn't hear the negativity. It only sees from the place of soaring. She said, no, you're supposed to have them. I said, well, we'll see. <laughs> got a hold of me two days later and said, I had people pack them all up for you. Come and get them. <laughs> Legacy and honor. Beloved, we're entering into another place of next. Those of you who weren't here for the last place of next, we're not being arrogant in this house. We led the whole world into the next place. We, we announced it here 
before the world even knew there was going to be a pandemic. We said we were going into a place and God was going to give us provision in that place and move us to a place of next. That he was going to put a pause on the earth. I can't tell you I understand all the details of the place of next, but I know it's been stirring in my, in my spirit now for a good half a year. And he told me this week, son, it's time to move into another place of next. And he said, son, this will be a place of rest and next. I'm going to deal with that more next week if he allows. A place of rest and next. Not rest of doing nothing. Resting in a faith that's far beyond this dimension. Resting in a faith that prepares the way for the coming of the Lord. Resting. Resting in our identities of who we are. Resting in the dimension of miracles, signs, wonders of who he is. A new dimension. And I believe that's why it's been breaking out in little places around the world right now. Little revivals here, there, there, there. Because the Lord's breaking forth. Legacy, we build upon. Doesn't mean we do the same things the same old way. It means we respect and honor the legacy of who is and where we've come from. For me, this is legacy. This is the legacy of a general who had vision beyond a vision, who took something out of the ashes and built it into a large network and ministry, saving millions of souls around the world. The challenge now is for those he left behind to respect and honor the legacy. But for me and my house, we shall honor the legacy. The real code of heaven is honor. Honor thy father and mother. Love and honor thy Lord God. Honor your wife. Honor your husband. Honor your children. Honor. Now, there's another one that I want to tell you. And this one It comes out of I want to show you what happens when you mix your actions with faith. James gave us a very good lesson about faith without works. He basically said, show me your faith and I'll show you my works. He was saying, it's good to say you have faith, but if it's faith that's not working, it has no chutzpah. It doesn't have any value. It doesn't move God. You can ask and not receive because you have a faith that's not working. But when you mix the things you do for the kingdom of God with faith, this is what happens. These are the things you do, right? Bears water, water gives provision. Water has a taste, but it doesn't have a taste. Isn't that weird? What else can you say has a taste but doesn't have a taste? You know when it's water, but you say, what's it taste like? Water. You don't usually say, what kind of water? Even though the stores want you to buy all kind of different water, spring water, purified water, water with the right minerals from the Zulu place in the middle of springs somewhere, and they're probably pouring it out of the tap in the back of a of a, of a warehouse in Youngstown, Ohio. Water, right? But when you mix your works, the blood, all of a sudden, 
you honor and respect the blood of Jesus who gave himself all that he has, all that he is. He gave himself so that when you do works with faith, not only do you honor him and his legacy, but you also release through your faith and your works the power of God in your life and in what you do. You have to mix it. Show me your faith and I'll show you my works. You receive not because we ask amiss, but seek and knock and ask in my name, says the Lord, and I'm going to give it to you. You know, it's one of my foundational scriptures, but I think maybe you'll understand it more than ever. Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will add all these things unto you. For me, seeking is relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's me doing works for the kingdom of God. That's how I seek him. And guess what? He blesses beyond anything I can imagine. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Lord willing, we'll pick this back up, get a few more jewels, a little bit more understanding. What I don't want is for you to walk out of here with a faith that's DOA, (laughs) dead on arrival. Grasp hold of this truth. Make a decision to adjust your words. Help each other to adjust your words. Make a decision to adjust your own mindset about yourself. Make a decision to practice faith. Not just faith that accepts suffering. The fellowship of sufferings isn't meaning that we're supposed to just accept suffering. The fellowship of sufferings means that we understand he suffered so that I'm not supposed to suffer as he did. That's fellowshipping with Jesus. You're not supposed to go on a cross. He already did. You're not going to impress him by crucifying your body. We crucify the flesh, that spirit of the flesh. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord. We ask you, Lord, to uplift, upgrade our faith this morning. We ask you, Lord, to take us to that place, the place of next where we can rest, the place, Lord God, where we can live in that realm of understanding that we're free. We're free of the worries of this world. Even though they'll come to nag at us, they cannot control us. We're free of grief because, Lord, the grief passes and joy comes in the morning. We're free, Lord, of pain because, Lord, you've come to heal us. We're free, Lord, of being prisoners to anything because you've come to set the prisoners free. We thank you, Lord, that one of your names is Gael, which means Jehovah Gael, which is our deliverer. We thank you, Lord, that we're saved. We thank you, Lord, that we have victory. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that we're not intended to be alone, but that, Lord, you have relationships and friendships with us and that you are our Father. We ask you, Lord, to help us to grow more in relationship with you. And we thank you, Lord, that you run to us. You open the door for us. 
You pull us in through the door and you provide for us. But more so, Lord, we ask you to allow us to understand your plans and purposes in our life and to grab hold of that vision and not let go of it. And not for any one of us to think it's too late or that something has passed us by. For Lord, time means nothing to you. You control time, you control the heavens, you control the planets, you control the seasons, you control us. You have everything in your hands, Lord, if we only let you. Be blessed, be glorified, Father. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. I'm going to uh, give the Lord a hand. Yes, thank you, Lord. You know, I did a series some time back called The Makings of an Overcomer. And I've seen a very large ministry now doing a series on the overcomer. Got some of my stuff in there, but not all of it. So I may revisit that as we come into our place of next to rest, because that's what he's doing. We are those who've overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of, our, blood of the Lamb. And we overcome that which is besetting the world right now. And it's not going to get brighter. It's going to get darker. But arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Amen. We're the light in the darkness. But we need to practice being the light in the darkness. And we need to get rid of the things that dim our light. And we need to have a confidence that we're walking good and okay. And that we can run right back into his arms when we slip. That's an overcomer. And there's makings of an overcomer. And it's a little different in today's world than it was a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago. We have different giants. We have the same slingshot. We got the same stone. But we have different giants. So we need to be trained in discerning those.